Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. God has given all of us gifts. So we're to contribute our time to the kingdom of God, our passion, our talents, and our possessions. That's four of the five C's. Here's the fifth one. We are to communicate through our life and through our mouth the good news to everyone everywhere. This is the core value that I want to talk about as we talk about the GMO today. There are approximately 8 billion people on the planet right now. That's a mind-boggling number, isn't it? And of that amount, only maybe one-third have heard the gospel. So how do the other 4 billion people hear about Jesus? Pastor Mark will be teaching about the responsibility of every Christ follower to be a mouthpiece for Jesus wherever they are. You'll also learn about ways to reach out to people that are unconventional, but make use of technology that wasn't available just a few years ago. The point you'll hear is to just get out and be obedient to what Jesus has told you to do. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Mark chapter 16 as he begins his message, God reaches people through people. All right, we're going to go back in time today. 70s. I know some of you weren't even born yet. I wish I was you, but I'm not. <laughs> How many of you that are older had a TRS-80? Let me see. How many had a Commodore 64? Let me see. There you are. For those of you who have no idea, those were supercomputers. You loaded them with a cassette tape. And 15 minutes later, after the program loaded, it said, sorry, didn't load, start again. <laughs> That's why one of them was eventually called Trash 80. Has anything changed in computers since then? Hello? Yeah, in fact, I'm teaching from an iPad. Amazing. Those of you that have smartphones, and most of us have them, when gas gets expensive, what do you do now? You just go on there and you look for the cheapest gas that's close by you, boom, and there you go. It's changed our lives everywhere. Today, I want to talk about not so much the change in our lives that computers has brought in the physical, in the material, in the scientific, but today, I want us to look at the advances that we can make spiritually around our world. You're going to see a program that every single Christ follower can be involved in. Every day, up to two million people are searching around the world for answers. We have an ability to respond to them. So don't blow this away. Listen. 
this is something that's going to change our church. And a church is just a building, so it's going to change you, and it's going to change me. So take a look what's available and how you and I are getting involved. Here you go. People all over the world are open to hearing the good news. What if you could help reach a million of them in one day? This is the gospel in the 21st century. Just to watch it happen. If he provides vision, he will provide results. Global Media Outreach has seen firsthand how God can use the internet to reach over a million people for Christ in a day. We are the first generation ever to hold in our hands the technology to reach every person on the earth with the message of Jesus Christ. To realize that this stream of people searching is already there. But you sunk the well with that website. You tap that thing and it gushed out. It's a result of vision, prayer, and technical savvy. GMO believes it is possible to give everyone on earth multiple opportunities to hear the good news. We are living in the midst of change so dramatic that God has to be right in the middle of it. Today, we're seeing doors opening for the gospel at a rapid pace, but they can close just as quickly. What an opportunity God has put before us to be able to go into all of eternity, able to say, I was a member of the generation that completed the Great Commission. People are searching for Jesus on the internet, and we've seen how God can reach at least a million people in one day. I am asking you to step out with a radical faith, for God is faithful. He will not fail us. What if this was just the beginning? Be part of the answer, and join us as a Great Commission partner. If you will, turn in your Bibles to Romans New Testament, Romans chapter 8. And let me ask you a question. If you're a Christian, why are you still here on the earth? If you're a Christian, why aren't you already in heaven? When God saved you, why didn't he just take you to heaven? Sometimes we wonder, but the Bible has the answers for us. You see, If you're breathing, anybody breathing in the room? Could I see your hand? If somebody didn't raise a hand, just start CPR on them right now next to you or wherever. They're dead. If you're breathing, then God has a plan for you. And here's the problem. We think the plan is really only focused about us. It is not. In Romans chapter 8, if you're a Christian, you usually like verse 28. But you can't do verse 28 without verse 29 because it never makes sense. So let's look at it. I'll read out of the New Living Translation. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to, notice the wording, his purpose for them. So God has a purpose for you. His purpose, not your purpose. And here is that purpose. Verse 29. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them, here it is, to become like his son. This verse tells us that God's plan for you and for me, every Christian, is to be like Jesus. In other words, 
As I'm here, his initial plan, of course, it includes me getting married, getting an education, a job, a family, being a parent, all of those things, those are given. But the spiritual application of that is that I'm to be like Jesus. I'm to think like Jesus. I'm to have the character like Jesus. And here's the big one we're going to talk about today. I'm to minister like Jesus. Now, what is that lifestyle look like? Well, a couple of years ago, we came up with five core values that this church uses to evaluate how I'm doing in being like Jesus. Now, all of these come from the scripture. I'm going to focus on one at the end, but let's just begin in the middle. Christ. First of all, if I'm going to be like Christ, the word that, well, we don't like it too much, commit. I have to commit to being a growing Christ follower. Then, as I'm doing that, I don't do this alone. We don't do church alone. I'm to connect to others in all kinds of small groups, home groups, Bible study groups, men's groups, ladies' groups, couples' groups, fusion groups, all kind of groups in personal, vibrant relationships. We don't do life alone. Now, remember, we're emulating Jesus. Did Jesus do life alone? Hello? No, he didn't. The first thing Jesus did when he started his ministry, what did he do? He picked, what, 12 men to go along with him. And what did he do? He turned them in to men that thought were and ministered like Jesus. That has never changed. That's the same principle. They had to commit to following him, and then they connected with him. They learned on a daily basis. Number three, we get to celebrate. The Christian life is the most fulfilling lifestyle in all the world. And when the disciples began to follow Jesus, oh, they had troubles, like we all do, but they loved it. They learned so much. It brought fulfillment to their life. And then they would learn from Jesus this last one. Contribute. If we could sing like our guests sang, we'd love it. Most of us can't do that. But God has given all of us gifts. So we're to contribute our time to the kingdom of God, our passion, our talents, and our possessions. That's four of the five C's. Here's the fifth one. We are to communicate through our life and through our mouth the good news to everyone everywhere. This is the core value that I want to talk about as we talk about the GMO today. Now, in your Bibles, if you will turn to the book of Mark, Matthew, Mark, go to chapter 16, the end of Mark, Mark 16, and I'm going to give you a little of the last words of Jesus. Now, they weren't the last words of Jesus, because the last words of Jesus really are in Acts chapter 1. Mark 16, go down to verse 15. I'll be back there in a moment. Let me read you something called the Great Commission. The Great Commission that Jesus gives is in all the Gospels. Matthew 28, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything, in other words, all I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of this age. If you go to the Gospel of Luke, Luke 24, here's what it says. Jesus says this, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name 
to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. If you go to John 20, 21, here's the great commission there. And Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. So that's exactly the same commission. And here you turn to Mark chapter 16, look at verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach, circle these next three words in your Bible, if you will, the good news to all creation, to all people. Now, I want you to keep your finger right there. Turn back to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians. Just a few books back, 1 Corinthians 15. Now, I have a question to ask you. I don't want you to answer it, but I want you to ask you the question. If you're at work, And your friend got up and said, you know, I don't ever read the Bible, but I went to Mark. Somehow I got to the book of Mark and I read verse 15. It said something about the gospel. Could you explain the gospel to me? Could you? If you had 20 words, 25, could you explain the gospel to an unbeliever? Well, the majority of Christians cannot. And yet your whole salvation is based on the gospel. So we're going to learn what the gospel is. You're going to see how important it is and how you can come up with your own definition so you can explain it in your own words. The gospel simply means good news. We like to hear good news. You hate to go to a doctor and he says, I have bad news and good news. You don't even want to hear the bad news. Just give me the good news or whatever. Now, in our world, the good news... Satan has taken it to two extremes. One time, Paul, in the book of Galatians, he says this to the church of Galatia, I'm shocked that you left the good news that I preached to you so soon. You moved away from it. See, they went back to rules and regulations, dead religion. If you're going to be a Christian, you got to shut your phone off. If you're going to be a Christian, (laughs) praise God, (laughs) instant in season and out of season. If you're going to be a Christian, you've got to have circumcised yourself. You've got to keep obeying all the laws. You've got to do all this. And Paul says, whoa, 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 that is not the good news. That's old dead religion. And on the other hand, Satan has taken it over here in the church as well. By the way, we have churches that do that today. Here's your, here's your rules and regulations this long. It has nothing to do with the gospel. Over here is the other one. You'll hear it many of churches. It's the prosperity gospel that says that God wants you rich. You'll never be sick. And you're going to be the head, not the tail, and everything is yours. That's a false gospel. That's not a true gospel at all. That's not even close to the gospel. See, the prosperity gospel, basically, they don't want to deal with sin. So the real gospel, I'm going to give to you. And you want to make sure you understand it and then put your life upon it. So we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And as you've done that, we begin in verse 1. Now, the apostle Paul is summing up the gospel. Some of you are going to say like, Pastor Mark, are you going to give us doctrine? (laughs) Say yes. Yes. I don't want doctrine. Get over it. (laughs) Correct doctrine equals correct living. See, if you don't understand what the gospel is, you may not ever get saved. You say, well, I believe in the prosperity gospel. That saves me. That does not save you. Rules and regulations don't save you. So you have to understand a little bit of doctrine. We're going to learn it together. Here's Paul. 
verse 1. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel. Paul says, I preach to you the real gospel, which you receive. Understand what he says. When the gospel is presented, if I'm going to be changed, I have to accept it. I have to believe it. I have to receive it. Which you received, on which you've taken your stand. What stand? Look at verse 2. By this gospel, you are saved. We have all these people that say, I'm a Christian, but they could never define the gospel for you. Well, how you're saved is the gospel. So let's learn it together. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you believe in vain. What is Paul saying? You're going to see the three little keys shortly. He said, the gospel I gave to you, you have to receive it, you have to believe it, then you have to start living it. He said, if the gospel that you receive doesn't change you, you never received the gospel. The gospel's true, but you never received it. That's why I said to you, pray for all those people that came to the Lord last week or come to the Lord every week. Because the enemy is against them. He likes to take them away and he'll say, well, but just an emotional week and you were down and what? No, that's all lies. But we're in a spiritual warfare. And so I want to stand on the true gospel. And that means that when I got saved, there has been change in my life. There has been repentance and I am walking a different way. So what is the gospel? You can put in the next verse, three and four, one, two, and three. And I'll tell you where to start and put it. Put number one right here. For what I received, I passed on to you as the first importance. Here's number one. Put it right there. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Everything that Jesus did was predicted in the Old Testament. How he would go to the cross, how he'd be buried, how he'd be resurrected, how he would come, how he'd be the Savior of the world. It's all in the Bible. That's why we believe the Bible. So Paul says, the very first thing that the good news is, it's based on Christ. It isn't based on a church. It isn't based on communion. It isn't based on an organization. It isn't based on a man. So here it is, that Christ died for our sins. What does that mean? It means that every single person is born in sin. You have a sin nature, so do I, and then I sin by practice. After I get saved, do I still sin? Absolutely. But I learn to sin less. I didn't hear an amen there, but that's what's supposed to be. I don't become sinless, I just sin less. What does that mean? I'm growing to be more like who? Jesus. So. Salvation, by that definition, is for everybody, because all have sinned. Paul would write that in Romans chapter 3. Now notice, next, that he was buried. Put a little two there, two. Three points to the gospel, that he was buried. Pastor Mark, I mean, that's like a no-brainer. He died. He was buried. Well, it isn't a no-brainer to people that don't believe because they say, oh, he swooned, he never really died, they stole his body, he was alive, he was resuscitated, and when he appeared to people, it was because he never died. That's totally false. He died, which means he was buried, and when he was buried, it proved that he died. Here's where your number three goes. That he was, number three, raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. 
So what that simply means is that when Jesus was resurrected, that same power that God resurrected Jesus from the dead, impossible to do, got his new glorified body, that same power is the power that saves you and me and the power that will get us to heaven. So that is the good news. How complicated is this? Very simple. I can go to anybody in any part of the world, a neighbor, foreign missions, wherever you're at, and they say, I'd like to be a Christian, but I think I've sinned too much, or my background is too bad, I played at it before, never was serious about it, I don't think God will forgive me. No, you have the only good news in all the world. You can say, based on these scriptures, no, Jesus Christ went to the cross, he died for your sins, he was buried, and the power that raised him is the very same power that will forgive you of any sin you've ever committed, will commit, and will commit in the future. That's amazing. I'm not forgiving them. God is. Now, nobody can give you good news like that. I don't care if gas goes to $1.50. It ain't good news compared to that. (laughs) That is the good news. Don't make it complicated. Now, I've written in a little paragraph. Don't copy it. Because I like to just formulate some things in my mind. Here's what I wrote. The gospel is the good news that in and through Christ's life, death, and resurrection, any person can receive forgiveness of their sins, and they are born again by repenting. If you don't admit you're a sinner, you'll never get born again. By repenting and trusting in Christ. You don't earn it, you just have faith. So salvation, the good news, is all about believing, and you receive it by faith. Now, one time, one of the great, probably maybe the greatest sermonizer ever, Charles Spurgeon, somebody asked him, can you kind of summarize the Christian life and gospel and what it's all about? Here's what he said. Jesus Christ died for me. That's about it. It's very personable. That's it. So understand, as you and I begin to look at this, we can understand then what the gospel is. That is part of the Great Commission. Now, where do you have your finger? Where? Mark where? Mark 16, good. Those of you that don't, go back to it. You'll find it again. Mark 16. Now, let me read to you in the fourth gospel, the Great Commission. Look down at verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the... Did you just hear the good news? Yes, you did. Pastor Mark, I can't do that. Yes, you can. And preach the good news to all creation. Why does it have to go to all creation? Because we're all born sinners. We're so glad you joined us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. During this unusual time in our world's history, we want to reassure you of your Creator's love for you. God is still on the throne and is fully in control of your life and of what's happening in the world around you. We also want to let you know that Calvary Chapel Melbourne is continuing to offer church every Saturday evening and Sunday morning, and you're invited to join us. Though we can't be physically present with one another, we do still want to connect with you. Join Pastor Mark this weekend on Facebook, 
YouTube, Roku, and at calvaryccm.com forward slash live. Services will begin streaming at 6 p.m. on Saturday and 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. on Sunday. You can find out more at our website. Again, that's calvaryccm.com. We look forward to worshiping with you virtually and hopefully soon in person. If you'd like to explore more teachings from Pastor Mark in this series right now, you'll also find them online, along with more information about the church and this ministry. Would you do us a favor? Would you be praying for Pastor Mark and the Calvary Chapel Melbourne staff during this time? We appreciate you lifting us up to the Lord. Please pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ across the nation too. This is a great way to support one another when we can't be in each other's company. That's all we have time for today. Join Pastor Mark next time to continue studying through the powerful Word of God right here on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.